Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, um, so take your, take your notes out, and uh, we're going to dive in uh, to our series. And today we're going to, I want to talk to you on a subject, and we just, we're just calling this idea handoff. Say that with me, handoff. And so if you think about this, where we have been over the last uh, several weeks, we've been in a series, and we've been looking at the miracles of Jesus. And so we've been looking at the miracles and we've been talking about the miracles in reference to our faith and a reference to our understanding of who God is. And so that's an important conversation. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, Pastor Trevor and I were praying about what it is that we're going to be communicating uh, after that that sort of sets up where we want to go and what we're wanting to uh, have our congregation have a deeper understanding of uh, across the year. Now, here's uh, let me just connect a couple of dots real quick for you. This uh, Sunday begins the first Sunday in the season of Lent. And for those of you that don't have that as part of your Christian tradition, uh, Lent is the season that it's the 40-day period, not including Sundays, that lead to Easter. Traditionally, in the, in the Christian tradition, uh, Lent is a time when we focus on the life of Christ. And we remember, in many ways, powerful ways, his sacrifice for us, what he did on our behalf, that, that he loved us, that he uh, you know, was willing to die for us while we were still yet sinners, Paul said. Christ died for us. So we're kind of concentrating on that. And Lynn is a time, really, it's a time for reflection. It's a time where we kind of get introspective in some ways about our faith. And it's a really important season. In fact, I was thinking about this. A lot of people give up things for Lent. All right, maybe that's part of your tradition. In fact, this year I'm going to lead out really strong. I'm giving up speaking for Lent. Okay, so just so everybody knows. Yeah, I, I, got, I got here this morning. Billy goes, come here. You know? And so um, I was thinking about how important that is, and that's a tee-up or a run-up to Easter. Now, here's what I want you to know, too. Second dot I want to connect. Easter is the single most attended uh, religious service of the year. Okay, second only to what? Anybody have an idea what second one is? Christmas Eve, okay? But, but Easter tops Christmas Eve by a pretty good margin. So uh, irreligious people, nominally religious people, people that don't even uh, self-identify as followers of Christ will find their way in a religious service on Easter, even if they don't really self-identify or believe because it's just sort of embedded in our culture. It's sort of what we do. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about uh, if that's true, that Easter is the, the biggest service uh, of the year, and I was thinking about, you know, our church has a passion of creating environments for people who are not yet followers of Christ. If you're, you're here today, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't self-identify as a follower of Jesus, you just kind of stumbled your way in here, you come on the invitation of a friend, here's what I want to tell you, you are among friends in this place. And, and the passion of our church is to create an environment where you might come, where you might learn, where you might investigate the truth claims of Jesus. In fact, we have a very clear mission 
community of hope, you know it. Here's, here's the mission. We exist to interest this interest of people in Christ, grow them together into fully devoted followers. That is the mission that gets me up every day. Okay? And when Beth and I were starting our church, um, I, back in the, this is back in the uh, rental home days, back in the living room days, uh, just even prior to that, we were, we were having lots of conversations in our home. Here we are, we're going to plant a church, we're going to start a church where there's not uh, a church that, that I'm going to lead, and, and, and you know, we were thinking about all that experience, and, and I remember having lots of conversations with Beth about what are the kinds of things that we want to embed in the culture if this is going to work, if, it, if it's going to work at all, how are we going to do it, what are the values we're going to hold on to, and we wrote eight values back, back in the day, a long time ago, and we said these are the things that are going to be sort of like rudders that guide us through the the water as we, we build our church. And if you've never seen those in our partnership class, we explore these values. And I want to show you the first core value. Lost people matter to God, and so they matter to us. And, and I, want, I want to tell you that I, I think this identifies with, every one of us can identify with that. How many of you could just self-identify and say, there's been a season in my life before where I have just felt lost? Yeah, no, I know your story. Some of you should put two hands up. Some of you may want to stand and raise a hallelujah. We're just saying that. It, it, our culture is lost. And, and I want to create an, an experience and an environment. I want to be a part of, an, uh, of that kind of work, delicate work, where people who are lost can become found. I love the story of the prodigal son where he's off and he squandered his estate in riotous living, one translation says. And he wakes up one day and he finds himself in a pig pen eating what the pigs eat. And there's this powerful moment in the scriptures where Luke writes it in Luke chapter 18, uh, chapter 15. And it says that and, and, and the son, when he woke up and he came to his senses, and the translation of that, some of you heard me say that before, it means he came to a moment of himself, this moment of clarity. And he said, I am lost. I have to get up and go home. And a lot of us can identify with that. We've been in spaces where we've been lost. And I want to, I want to create these environments. And so, so part of the other nature of our church, you're getting to hear a little how our church works today. We never call people who, who sign on to this mission members. We call them partners. And we say, you know what? Let's all partner together to create environments where, where people far from God might find God. And this is what I want to talk about in this series, how to do that. Because there's, there's a particular way to do that. And so I want to begin a conversation uh, about that and, and to tee the conversation up and to make it a little personal. This is what I want to do. I don't want this to be esoteric. I want it to be personal. So when you came in this morning, you got a card, little little card. I had a guy ask me awkwardly at 9 o'clock service, is this like a toe tag? And I'm like... <laughs> That's awkward. Never say that again. But here's what I want to tell you. I want you to take the card out. Get, get the card out right now. And I want you to write the name of the person on that card. 
who most influenced you toward hope when you were lost? And you might define that in any number of ways, when you were far from God or when you just had lost your way in life. And who's the person that most influenced you out of that darkness and into light? Just write the name of that person down. I want you to identify it. Maybe there's more than one name. I don't care. Write it down. Let's identify it. Okay? Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to flip the card over. And I want you to write the name of a person in your circle right now most in need of hope. Okay, take a minute. You, you, you put the definition on that, but I'm just talking about, you know, who's someone that you go, man, he or she, right now, they just, they're, they're, they're lost their way. And here's what I want you to think about and what I'm going to challenge you about in this series. I believe that for many of us in this room, many of us who are streaming a service online, you are the connecting piece between that going forward. Someone, somewhere along the way in your journey, handed handed off to you. And what I'm going to challenge you to do in this series, and what Pastor Trevor is going to challenge you to do in this series, and I'm going to cheer him on, (laughs) is, is... you have to hand the faith off to the next person down the line. Now, I was thinking about this, and I thought of a a unique passage of Scripture I want to read to you. Um, I don't know who your favorite disciple is. Mine is Peter. And I want to tell you why. Because Peter, um, Peter had a way of letting his mouth get in the way of him. Anybody identify with that? So I just think Peter's my guy. Sometimes Beth goes, did you have to say that the way you said that? And uh, he wrote, uh, scholars think, a letter that we now have in our Bible, and we in the New Testament we call it the letters from Peter. And um, he wrote to five little churches, and I'm going to explain that in a minute, uh, in Asia Minor back in the first century, and he was explaining how the Christian faith works. And embedded in the middle of it is a, is a unique passage of Scripture where he's challenging the church about suffering for doing good and that sometimes there will be hard days for those of us who are faithful to the common cause. And then embedded in that passage of Scripture is a verse that we're going to focus on. But let me give you the wider context He's talking about all this, and he begins in verse 8. Listen to what he says. He says, finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate. Be humble. Do not repay evil with evil. Do not repay insult with insult. But on the contrary, he says, 
Repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. And then he goes on. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must uh, turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace. They must pursue peace. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even, even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and with respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's pray. Lord, use this word to teach us important things. This we pray in the strong and mighty name of Christ. And everyone said, amen. So here's what scholars believe if you're taking notes. This was written in the first century. Some scholars believe, as best we could tell, in the 60s, AD 60-something. And Paul wrote, or Peter wrote, excuse me, to these little churches, five of them that he names at the beginning of this first letter. They were all in, in Asia Minor. And he was writing to them and encouraging them uh, near the end of his life uh, to bring comfort and encouragement to those who are being persecuted. And for those of you who might want to know a little bit of history, it was a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous time to be a follower of Jesus. People were being rooted out of their homes. They were being persecuted. This is still going on today in some parts of the world, uh, just not here. Some of my friends say not here yet, but not here. And Peter's trying to bring all this encouragement. He's trying to bring all this hope. And, uh, and so he sends this word out. Now, you've heard me say before that a lot of times what he would do, he'd write a letter, the disciples would write a letter, or the church planters, it would be carried out to these five places. Somebody would stand up and read the letter just as a way uh, to encourage uh, folks in this space. And uh, here's what I, I find interesting about this. This would be a time, many of us would think, where Peter might be tempted to say this, it's time to lay low. Let's just chill out. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in our culture. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening in Rome. There's a lot of things that are, that are not, not good. And, and it's time probably to lay back. And here's what I want everybody to notice in this room. This is not what he says. And instead, he encourages those who are faithful to the cause to step in, to step forward, to not, to not be in retreat, but to step forward, but to do it in a unique way. And this is what I think is very challenging in this space. That we wouldn't be in retreat, but that rather uh, we, would, we would step forward. And, uh, and then he offers, embedded in this little challenge, a verse of scripture that, that is going to be our theme for what we're going to be talking about in these weeks. And it's in 1 Peter 3.15. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Go. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So let's just pare down for a few moments to set up where we're going in the series. These, these three ideas, these large ideas. First of all, he talks about the idea of Christ as Lord. The thing that we have to set up is that, is that we have to, that we have to draw, put a stake in the ground is that Christ is Lord. That's, that's the navigating point. Now, here's what I want to tell you historically. There's some stuff going on here that is interesting that we still see today. And I don't, I want to make this connection. How many of you ever seen a symbol that looks like that? Okay. This is usually the people that cut you off in front of a line. They have a community of hope tag. We take it off. Okay. And uh, what you're seeing there, if you see that without uh, Jesus, I think there's another image of that. That's the second most important identifiable symbol of what it means to be a Christ follower. The second most identifiable symbol. What's the first one? Cross. And so back in Peter's day, when we're, when right now, we're what we're reading. Uh, back in Peter's day, uh, people began to identify with this idea, this, this, this concrete idea that, that Jesus of Nazareth was God in the flesh. He died on behalf of all sinners. He, they, he was get, doing away with this weird system we're going to talk about in a moment in, in communion. And, and instead, what he was going to do, he was going to be the one full final sacrifice and there were all these little groups and gatherings of people who were beginning to self-identify with this idea, and, and it was populating, it was growing. And the disciples were planting these little enclaves, and they were sending these words out, and they were having these words spoken and talked about, and they needed a way to identify who they were. This is the way. This is the way. And so back then, right now, where we're reading what we're reading uh, you would find that these enclaves it would come together and they would put a symbol of a fish up like that and would communicate the idea that this was a gathering place for those who believed what you and I are believing right now or navigating toward believing right now. And I could make the claim, the idea, that we're all here as a result of that. And we're all here not because they retreated, but because they stepped in. So this is, this is really, really important thing. You think about, there's another thing that we'll do sometimes at Easter. Remember, and, we'll, and sometimes church traditions have carried this on all the way back from this time. And we'll say, Christ is risen. And then somebody will say what? He is risen indeed. That was better than nine o'clock. They were horrible at it. So let's try it again. Christ is risen. He is. It was just an identifiable thing. You would pass somebody on the road, you'd say that. And it was, it, was, it was just communicating, you believe what I believe. And so this is really important. This is, this, is, this is the line in the sand. And here's the thing, for followers of Christ, this is where everything comes together. And, and you'll notice that Peter's writing, first of all, he says, he doesn't just say Christ is Lord. Notice what he says. He says, revere Christ as Lord. In other words, in other words, this is not a static one-time thing. This is something that is fluid, that ebbs and flows in our lives. And our navigatable point is always to come back that we should revere Christ as Lord. 
It's important. Um, I, I think about this as a really important subject because Peter is writing from personal experience. I want to show you where. Uh, one day, in, in Matthew 16, if you're taking notes, you just want to write this down, read this later. He is with the disciples, and they're walking through Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus is overhearing them talk about himself. They're talking about Jesus. And, and Jesus calls out to the disciples. It's an interesting read. And he calls out to the disciples, say, hey, what are you hearing people say about me? And, and he says, uh, and they start to say to him, they say, well, you know, some people say you're like Elijah, you know, like you rose from from the dead, you're a prophet of old. You're all these different things. And then in this powerful moment, watch this. Jesus turns to Peter and he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter looks at him. I would have just, this is one of the moments in the Bible I would have loved to have been there. I've got several. This is one of them. And Peter looks at him and he says, you know what? You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And when he does that, it's like this thing just cracks open and Jesus looks at him. He says, you're right. You're right. And, 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 and flesh, your flesh didn't reveal that to you. My spirit, God's spirit revealed that to you. And then he starts to do this little interplay. Peter in the Greek mean is Petros. Petros means rock. And he says, Peter, you're a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And there's all this theological debate that's gone down, down through the center. Was, was Jesus saying he's going to build his church on Peter? You go to Rome, you got Rome, you see Peter, he's buried there. Was Peter going to be the church that, or, and, and, and some of us go, no, he wasn't saying that. He was saying he's going to build his church on everybody who has the same confession that Peter has. And so this is an important point for Jesus and this is an important point for Peter. And Peter says, we should revere Christ as Lord. But then he says this, you should be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. See, if, if this is the navigatable point for you, Peter's saying, if we're not going to retreat and we're going to move forward, you should be ready to give an answer. Let me just ask everyone a question in the room and those listening online. If you had to answer right now as to what gives your life purpose and meaning, what would you say? Because there are a lot of people in our world they're trying to figure out purpose and meaning and hope. Sometimes we look at our life and we go, yeah, but you don't know my life. I mean, I got, I got some stories to my life. And we, we're kind of embarrassed to share. It kind of reminds me of this. I want to do a little test here. Anybody know who that person is? Anyone know? That's not the answer, by the way. That's uh, Thomas Edison. Anybody know who this person is? It's Alexander Graham Bell. Anybody know who that is? It's Alexander Fleming. <laughs> Some of you are going, cool. I don't know. <laughs> you know what he did? 
he discovered penicillin. In 1928, he was known as a messy and disorganized scientist. And he was growing bacteria in some Petri jars, and he didn't handle them properly, and he went on vacation. <laughs> Sounds like some of you. <laughs> and he came back, and there was this green mold growing in the Petri dishes that, that were eating up all the bacteria. And he had a moment of decision. Do I share my mistake? Get in trouble? Or, or is this potentially good news for someone who needs to hear it? And thankfully, by the grace of God, he shared his story. Later on, won a Nobel Peace Prize and reframed forever the way we think about antibiotics and how they work in our world today. We have the antibiotic for what the world is wanting. And sometimes we think, my, my life doesn't quite line up to that. Can I really share? And, and, and somebody else is looking for the kind of hope you have found. And it's interesting that, 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 that Peter, when he's writing, is, he doesn't say just share. He said, always be prepared to give an answer. We're always ready. But then he says this lastly, and I close with it. He says, do it with gentleness and respect. And, and notice what he doesn't even just say gentleness and respect. He says, but. In other words, stop. There's a way to do this. Right? And I want to just, I want to just say, and, and this is going to be a courageous statement, might bear offense to some people. I want you to share your faith, but I, I want you to share your faith in the right way. You ever been on the receiving end of someone sharing their faith not the right way? Not helpful. Not helpful. We're talking about the living hope. And all behind Peter's message is this idea that there was a God who had changed fundamentally the way that we think about sacrifices. And Jesus said, on that night in Passover, he said, you know, I am going to offer my body as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. In, in, in layman's terms, Jesus is saying, I'm changing the way the game is played. And then after supper, he takes a cup and he gives thanks and turns to his disciples and he said this cup represents blood my blood shed for the world your sins and mine and so this morning when you come to receive communion and we serve it by intinction and we'll have a gluten-free station in the back for those of you that need that we've added an extra person to the to the team and I want you to bring your card where you're saying, this is the person that offered hope to me. And this is the person in my world right now that I believe needs hope.
and I want you to put it in the basket just as a symbol that we're the people that must stand in the gap for others and hand off the faith given to us to someone else. And we're going to teach you how in this culture, how to do it in this series. Let's pray together. Lord, come by your power, come by your grace. Remind us the depth and the breadth of your love for us. Remind us, oh God, we have good news to share. We have, we have an antidote to the infections of our world and we want to be the kinds of people with gentleness and respect who know how to share it with a waiting community and a waiting world. Help us, we pray, even as we remember in this sacrifice of bread and juice, the antidote having been given to us. We remember what you have done on our behalf and we're grateful. We want to live and respond as grateful people in Jesus' name and everyone said. song and the cry of our heart that we would be the kind of people oh God who are learning how to spread abroad the fragrance of the knowledge of the Son of God into every place we thank you this morning that the church first delivered the first generation church did not retreat but stepped in give us the same courage to step in Lives and eternities are at stake. This we pray in the strong and mighty name of Christ. And everyone said, amen. Go in his peace. We'll see you next weekend.